you got this to look forward to when you get married, when your husband is doing something, you go, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> she gave me this. <laughs> okay, so we are in the middle of our series on relationships. It's called Relationships Matter. Now, of course, for the month of February, a lot of churches are coming from the topic of relationship goals. But you'll find here at Amen Always Church, we do things a little bit different from the average church. So the title of our series this month is Relationships Matter. And the first week of the month, I was before you and I was talking about my first love, which is being in contact and renewing our love for the Lord, who is our first love. And then Pastor Derek came back and started talking about family relationships, dealing with your, bro your natural family, brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, mom, you know, the people that you live with that got your blood running through your veins, but they drive you crazy. Yeah, those people. <laughs> and then today, part three, the title is, Am I My Brother's Keeper? Am I My Brother's Keeper? And so I will be before you today talking from the topic, Am I My Brother's Keeper? And then next week, Pastor Derek and I will be before you together, and we will talk about marriages and your soulmate. Amen? Amen always. <laughs> so these are some important topics because as we know, as our topic declares, relationships matter. Relationships matter. So this portion deals with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It also deals with the world around us. See, how many know your relationships with the people around you matter? Just as much as your relationships with your mother and father matters. Brother and sister matters. Your coworkers, they matter. You ever try to go work on a job and you can't stand your coworkers? Or they can't stand you? And there's a lot of divisiveness on the job. How many people feel comfortable working into that? No. You want to like the people that you work with. Now, even the greatest introverts, you know the difference between an extrovert and an introvert, right? An extrovert is somebody who's more outgoing. An introvert is someone that's a little more shy, likes to keep to themselves. Excuse me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's join in prayer. Stand up, please, before I get started into the message. <laughs> I think I'm a little excited about our, our move. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this awesome time. This awesome privilege in your word. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to take complete control as I minister, God, under the leading of your Holy Spirit. I ask you to speak through me to your people, Lord God. We thank you that your word will be revealed in a way that it penetrates their hearts and nothing will be able to distract them. We thank you, Lord God, for healing and miracles and deliverance that takes place this day and forevermore. And at each household, each family member, each bloodline, shall be saved, healed, delivered, and set free. In Jesus' name, amen always. Now you may have your seats. <laughs> God will be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Amen always. Okay, so working on your job. How many know you want to be able to like the people around you that you work with? If you work eight, ten hours on a job, how does it feel to have somebody always trying to stab you in the back, trying to cut you? so to speak, running to the boss man on you all the time, making up lies, saying you did things you didn't do. Relationships matter. See, people have different personalities. See, we all come in different shapes and sizes, amen, always. Everyone doesn't physically look the same, and everyone doesn't act the same. Relationships matter. Personalities are different. 
If you stay around here long enough and you go through the growth track process, our step three, on step three, we look at your spiritual gifts. We look at your personality. We look at the way that you function. And that'll help you to understand where God wants you to be in the body of Christ. What teams you belong on. Amen always. So personalities and the way that people relate to one another matters. Relationships matter. Throughout the Bible, it is evident from creation, from the beginning, that God cares about relationships. The Bible speaks to specific relationships. Remember, the topic is, am I my brother's keeper? The Bible speaks to specific relationships. The Bible speaks to our relationships with God the Father. It speaks to our relationships with our parents. It tells us how we ought to honor our parents. It also speaks to how the parents should not exasperate their children. Amen, always. It speaks to how husbands are to treat their wives and how wives ought to submit to their husbands. Amen, always. How brothers and sisters in Christ, I got another other amen always over there. <laughs> how brothers and sisters in Christ ought to treat one another when there's conflict. And uh-oh, wait a minute, what's next? The Bible speaks to how we ought to treat our enemies. I can't get an amen on that one. Amen always. I think I got one of them. <laughs> you know, those people that you don't like. That if there were no cameras on the street, you'd run over with your car. Okay, maybe that's just me. Okay. <laughs> maybe I'm the only one. But it's a few people, except for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> So my staff, they know that I have two anointings. I have a joke that I say sometimes. I have two anointings. I got the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and I got the anointing of Apostle Peter. Y'all know Peter from the Bible? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Pete shows up. Amen. But with Adam, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. God said. It's not good for man to be alone. So God cares about relationships. When God's commandment tells us to honor your father and mother so that your days may be long upon the earth that the Lord your God giveth thee. See, God gives a promise, a promise behind the relationship that you have with your father and mother. When the Bible tells us to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, how many of us this day, today, find it difficult to love your neighbor as you love yourself? Let me give you an example. Pastor Derek and I are really originally from South Florida. And we bought this beautiful home down in South Florida paid what they call today a grip. We paid a grip for it. Y'all know what a grip is, right? <laughs> we paid a grip for it. It was over $300,000 home. Beautiful home. Beautiful community. And we had this neighbor who thought it was her business to watch our house constantly. When I say constantly, I mean constantly. Who's that over there? I saw somebody car in your yard. Who was that you were talking to in the, in the parking lot? Well, what's those flowers you putting in? I see you doing, what's, what's, what's those flowers? I saw y'all putting some new flowers down there. What you doing? Well, what you got in all them grocery bags? You know, when the neighbor come over walking like this, well, what you got in all them grocery bags? You got a lot of grocery bags. I go to Costco's too. I don't ever come back with all those bags. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, how many of y'all 
would feel comfortable just smiling. But good morning, good evening, you have a nice day. I told you I got two anointings, right? St. Pete showed up. Pete showed up. <laughs> Pete rolls up on the inside of me. None of your business with the head and everything. You know the head and the hand on the hip and the head turning all of that. That was Pete. That wasn't me. Blame Pete. <laughs> the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. See, there's some people that you just have to extend grace to. Because they don't know any better. They literally don't. Amen always. They don't know any better. They've been conditioned a certain way. Hallelujah. The Bible explains how parents are to treat children and how we are to treat the elderly, widows, and the least among us. How do we treat the homeless? Do we walk on by? Anybody know what it's like to be hungry? When I was growing up, my parents divorced. And when I was about nine years old, they got divorced. And my mom, school teacher, you know what school teachers make? <laughs> Trying to raise four girls by herself. You know what they make now is not enough. So back then, certainly wasn't enough trying to raise four daughters by herself. So we went to school hungry sometimes because my mom didn't believe in getting uh, food stamps. She didn't believe it because we were raised a certain way. You didn't get food stamps. You worked. And we didn't get the little free card for lunch. We worked. So there were days that we went hungry to school. Am I my brother's keeper? We went to school hungry some days. And do you know sometimes my teachers would let me sit there while other kids were eating and I was hungry. And I remember a teacher walking up to me one day. Frida, why are you not eating? She didn't bring me any food. She asked me a question. And when I answered her, she walked away. I was still hungry. Am I my brother's keeper? Do we walk past the homeless when we have it to give? Now, I'm not saying open up a wallet and give them $100 so they can go buy alcohol. Nobody's saying that at all. But a hamburger from McDonald's. 99 cents. Am I my brother's keeper? The Bible teaches us about how we are to treat our enemies, those that spitefully use us and say all manner of evil about us. The Bible talks about that. So if you're looking for our focal scripture, it's found in the book of Matthew. Turn to Matthew. If you're looking in your, on your phone, you can turn to Matthew on your phone. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. Chapter 22, verses 37 through 9. Bible tells us not to kill our brother and sisters. It tells us to turn the other cheek. Treat people the way we want to be treated. After all, we all are made in the image and likeness of God. Amen always. So Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. And it reads, Jesus replied. Now this is Jesus talking. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hallelujah. 
Now, this is the words of Jesus. This is not the words of one of the disciples. This is not the words of Johnny Sue Q. This is the words of Jesus. Jesus himself said, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. You got to love God with everything you got. Your heart, your mind, your soul, and your mind. And the second is like it. It says it's like it. Why? Because we're made in the image and the likeness of God. So it's impossible to say that we love God and we don't love people that are made in his image. You're lying to yourself. In fact, how can you truly love God and you don't love his creation? His people that are made in his image and likeness. So it says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So our key points, if you're taking notes, is that number one, God created relationships. He created relationships from creation, from the foundation of the world. He created relationships. He didn't just create the earth and get and create one man and gave one man dominion over it. No, he said it is not good for man to be alone. So he created relationships. And if you turn over in 2 Kings chapter 2, and we're not going to get into the whole scripture, I mean the entire um, book, but we're just going to look briefly at the relationship between Elijah and Elisha. So turn over in 2 Kings chapter 2. And there are some key things that we're going to learn about the relationship between Elijah and Elisha. There's some deposits that you can obtain by having the right relationships if you don't have the right relationships in your life, you can miss impartations that God may have for you. So if we're in 2 Kings chapter 2, and we're always reading from NIV, it says, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Now, in other words, this is when the Lord was getting ready to transition Elijah. It says when he was getting ready to take him up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But watch this. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. In other words, Elisha knew that he needed a deposit that he could only receive by staying in relationship with Elijah. He knew that Elijah's days were short. So he needed to stay in relationship, in close contact with Elijah before he transitioned so that he can get the deposit that he needed for his life. Some of y'all just got lost. You need to catch that in the spirit realm. There is a deposit that comes from being in relationship with the man of God or the woman of God that God has set and assigned you to for your life. You're not there to serve them. You're not just there to serve them. You're missing it. You're not just there to serve them. Let me say it again. You're not just there to serve them, but there is a deposit that they leave in you for your life to go forward. You need that deposit. That's why the relationships matter. Because whoever you are connected to is who you can get a deposit from. You know, in order to get a deposit out of a bank, you got to do what? You got to have an account. 
So you got to have a banking relationship in order to make a deposit and then go and get a withdrawal from that account. But if you don't have an account, how can you make a deposit or get a withdrawal? So there has to be a relationship that takes place. Amen, always. So if we are looking in the scripture here at the relationship between Elijah and Elisha, Elisha was serving Elijah for years. And now we've come up to the point where God is getting ready to transition him. See, when you are in relationship with the man and woman of God for years, whatever that years, that dispensation of time, it could be one month, one year, 1,000 years, whatever that length of time is. When the time comes, there is a deposit that is extended to you because of that relationship. See, Elisha could have taken his eyes off the importance of that relationship and just said to himself, well, Elijah's getting ready to go. I don't have to hang around here. I'll, be, I'll see you later. Deuces. And he would have missed his deposit. See, when you step out of relationship too soon, you miss your deposit. You got to stay in relationship until the transition comes. Some of you missed that. You must stay in relationship until the transition comes. And how do you know when the transition comes? When you receive your deposit. Because that deposit is what's going to take you to your next level. Amen always. I hope you catch that in the spirit. So 2 Kings chapter 2. And it says in verse 3, the company of the prophets at Bethel, in other words, Elijah followed Elijah to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Now listen to that. These are the company of the prophets coming up to Elisha. Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? What you doing here? You're supposed to run off and find somebody else. They missed the deposit. They didn't understand there was a deposit coming in the transition. You're supposed to go take off. Didn't you know? Didn't you know? And that's the prophets speaking. That's the company of the prophets Beware of the people that's around you in the body telling you what you need to be doing. Telling you it's time for you to go. It's time for you to leave. Relationships matter. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not leaving until I get my deposit. Turn to your other neighbor and say, wait a minute, I'm waiting on my deposit. So they said to him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Now watch Elisha. <laughs> watch Elisha. Pay close attention. Elisha said, yes, I know. Elisha replied, so be quiet. Now that's a polite way. See, Pete showed up in Elisha. Pete told him to be quiet. Well, actually, that wasn't Pete. That was Elisha. Because if it was Pete, Pete would have said, shut up. So Elisha says, yes, I know. So be quiet. In other words, translation in today's vernacular, I'm waiting on my deposit. I'm waiting on my check. Anybody on payday, sit there and wait for the boss? Because the boss is the one that brings the check. Everybody running out the door. What you doing in the parking lot? I'm waiting on my check. I'm waiting on my deposit. Okay? Anybody at 12 midnight looking at your phone? What you doing awake at 12 midnight? I'm just making sure my direct deposit has gone in. Because it's been pending since yesterday. But you know at 12 midnight, that's when it goes in the account. Anybody ever look on your account and you see the money pending? 
Then at 12 midnight, oh, I got my deposit. Elisha knew something that the other folks didn't know. They did not know that there was a deposit coming during the transition. there would be a deposit. Y'all got me yelling, see? Got my throat. <laughs> In verse 4, it says, Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. <coughs> the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Now this is the second time. Remember the first time Elijah told Elisha to stay here? That was when they were going to Bethel. And Elisha said, no, I'm not, I'm not leaving. Uh-uh, I'm going with you. Because our relationship demands that I go with you. And so now in verse 4, then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live. I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. In other words, Elisha would not walk out of his season or his relationship with the man of God, even if the man of God said go. Y'all missed that. You missed that. The man of God said stay here. But Elisha had a communion with God. And he understood the significance of the relationship between him and Elijah. So when the company of prophets tried to get him to leave, Elijah told him to shut up. Be quiet. When Elijah told him to leave, thank you ma'am, when Elijah told him to leave, he said, as surely as the Lord live and as you live, in other words, where you go, I go. Because that's the relationship that the Lord has given me. And I'm not leaving until I get my deposit. So they went to Jericho. And now verse 5, here come them same company of prophets. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Same question that he got before. Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. In other words, I told y'all when we were at Bethel to shut up. Are you still talking? That now it's time to fight. Because I told you already. He said, so be quiet. And in verse 6, it says, then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. Now, some of y'all are starting to see a pattern here. Look at the pattern. The man of God is telling him to stay. Why do you think the man of God kept telling him to stay? You think it's because he really wanted to stay? It was a test. See, some of the things that have happened in your life that have come to try to distract you from your relationships have been a test. Turn to your neighbor and say, it was only a test. It was only a test. It was a test of your faithfulness to that relationship. The enemy sometimes will send a distraction but sometimes you'll experience or undergo a test. And it don't always be from the enemy. It's a test. Because, see, in order to receive that deposit that God wants you to have, you've got to pass the test. 
Will you pass the test? That's the question. If the man of God is telling you to do something opposite of what God is telling you to do, that's a test. If the people of God, the company of prophets, are telling you to do something opposite of what God is telling you to do, that's a test. It's a test. Do you understand that God said your relationship with the man of God, the woman of God, matters? Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. Now, we'd have been to Bethel already. We'd have been to Jericho. Now, we're at Jordan. We're going to Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Why? I'm staying until I get my deposit. I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Now, it goes on to read, 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance. Watch this now. Very important. Pay close attention. 50 men from the company of prophets. We have a school of the prophets. So if you stay around here long enough, you're welcome to attend the school of the prophets. And you'll learn all about the company of prophets and where the school of the prophets began. And um, a lot of good information about the office of the prophet and understanding the gift of prophecy. But 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, catch this, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Now, Elijah and Elisha were close to each other. They're standing physically close to each other. Why? Because Elisha refused to leave the man of God until he got his deposit. The company of prophets, I want you to study this scripture so that you understand the background. This is the company of people that followed them. They were being trained in prophecy, in the office of the prophet, the gift of prophecy. So the company of prophets, if you want to put it in today's words, the congregation or the leaders in the church, the leaders in the church. So you've got the man and woman of God. And you've got the ones that are coming up under them being trained. And then you've got the leaders in the church. So they're standing at a distance, the Bible says. They're standing at a distance. Facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Remember, Elisha followed him. He said, I'm not leaving until I get my deposit. That means wherever you go, I'm going. Come with me. Wherever you go, I'm going. Wherever you go, I'm going. I'm not leaving until I get my deposit. That means wherever it is you go, I'm going. Everybody else can stay over there. But where the man and woman of God goes, that's where I'm going until what? I get my deposit. So in other words, she's going to keep coming until I give her the deposit, until she receives the deposit that God has for her. Whatever that deposit is, when it's time for her to receive it, she's going to stay there until she gets that deposit. Amen, always. See, but she can't get that deposit until she stays with the man and woman of God. Amen, always. So the 50 were at a distance. Those are the onlookers. Those are the ones that are a part of the ministry when everything's looking good. Oh, they on television. They on the Word Network. That's the one I saw on the Word Network preaching about the glass of water. That's the one I saw on Facebook ad. That's the one I heard on the radio. I heard him on the radio talking about um, uh, God's will coming for your life. Hallelujah. So I'm with the men. But I'm with him from a distance. Why? Because I'm running over to the next one that's on television. You see? Oh, they was on 4 o'clock in the morning. Now they're moving to 6 o'clock in the afternoon. If I don't see a commercial soon enough, I'm going over to the one that's going to go to the 4 o'clock. I didn't know they were going to 6. They're moving to 6 o'clock in the afternoon. 
stayed on the radio. Okay, now I'm here. As soon as they go off the radio, as soon as they, soon as they, they program over, they program only 15 minutes on Mondays at 11.30. But at 11.45, I'm back on the other side. 11.30, I'm back over here. 11.45, I'm back over there. So the 50, 50 minutes of the company of prophets, the Bible says, stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water was divided, the water divided to the right and to the left. To the right and to the left. And the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Now, how many of y'all would want to sit there and just watch the show? I want to be walking with Elijah across the dry ground with the water on the right and the left side. I don't know about you, but I actually like to be a part of the manifestation of God. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. In other words, if Elisha had not followed and stayed in relationship with the man of God, Elisha would have never been able to turn around and say to Elisha, tell me what I could do for you before I leave. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will, be, it will not. In other words, if you're still here and you still are focused and paying attention, then you're going to get a double portion of the anointing that God has on my life. You're going to get a double deposit. You will receive twice what the Lord has done in me. As they were walking along and talking together, fellowship, suddenly, the Bible says, a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then, the Bible says, then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that, he had, that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. And he said, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided. Remember how it divided before? To the right and to the left. And he crossed over. Watch this. Remember those same company of prophets? The company of prophets from Jericho who were watching, not participating, but watching, said the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Look, they said, we, your servants, have 50 able men. Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him high, set him down on some mountain or in some valley. No, Elisha replied, do not send them. Why? Because Elijah, Elisha already knew that the Lord had taken Elijah up in a whirlwind. And guess what? He received his deposit. He received a double portion of what rested on Elijah. So throughout his ministry, he had a double portion because he remained in relationships throughout test after test after test. He had a test in Gilgal, 
in Jericho and in the Jordan. He had the company of prophets trying to tell him to leave. He even had Elijah testing him to see if he would leave. Relationships, if you're taking notes, are important. Relationships can be life-changing. How many people know that Elisha's life changed that day? Relationships cause transformation and impartation. Transformation and impartation. Our second point is that God honors relationships. And for the, the battery of time, um, I'm just going to reference the scripture for God honors relationships. And that is in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and the relationship between Samuel and Eli. Just to give you the background, because we're running out of time here. Eli was a priest, and he had lived for many years as a priest, and Eli had sons, and two of his sons sinned against God. But Samuel came up under Eli, and he was there because he had been dedicated uh, by his mother. And so he came up under uh, Eli at that time. Okay, and I want you to go back and read 1 Samuel chapter 3, and you'll see how that relationship because of his relationship with Eli, when the Lord began to call Samuel for the first time, Samuel didn't even know it was the Lord calling him. He thought it was the voice of Eli because of their relationship. But then the Lord began to speak to Samuel one-on-one. -on -one. That relationship, through that relationship with Eli, that's when Samuel began to understand who God was. Okay? And point three, God commanded how we relate, how we relate to our enemies, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, and to people in need, how we relate to our enemies, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and to people in need. The Bible tells us to pray for our enemies. Did you guys realize that? How many people in here actually pray for your enemies? Be honest. Some of y'all pray for them to die, don't you? <laughs> Lord, get them for me, okay? I get in trouble if I get them myself. So the Bible tells us, and Pastor Derek is over there trying to tell me to wrap it up, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, we are running up on time. Okay, so the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5, if you're taking notes, just write down the scripture. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. God commanded how we relate to our enemies. It says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your father in heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> you mean I can't do an eye for an eye? I can't be petty? Come on, women, now you know we can we know you know how to be petty. Well, she said such and such, so I said such I can't be petty. Petty batty. I can't do that. It's not the will of God. God commanded how we relate to our enemies. Relationships matter. Do you know that there are people that have risen against you that if you love them and treat them right, they'll come back to you and apologize and try to make it right with you? There are people that will do that just because you love them the way that Christ loved them. Just because you love them as you love yourself. That's why the Bible says pray for them who persecute you. You never know what could be going on in their life. You don't know what struggles they may be having. You don't know that that situation, that conflict that has arisen, whatever it may be, that is not just something that the Lord might use to do something in you. Or in their life. 
it could mean the difference in salvation for them, healing or deliverance for them. So pray for those. Pray for your enemies. Love them. Pray for those who persecute you. The Bible says that you may be children of your father in heaven. God commanded how we relate to our brothers and sisters in Christ. How do we act when the people in the body of Christ hurt us and wound us? What does the Bible tell us about how we are to respond to those that we have an offense against? If we have an ought against our brother and sister, how should we respond to them? Well, if it's a brother and sister in the body of Christ in the church, should I just go and tell everybody in the church what they did to me? That sound right? Sister so-and-so did such and such to me. And I'm going to choir rehearsal. But when I get out of choir rehearsal, we all go to lunch. So I'm going to go tell everybody what sister so-and-so did to me in church. Why I don't like her. I got to tell my side of the story. Well, the deacons are having a meeting, and I'm going to tell the deacons what brother so-and-so did when he came to my house during a small group. He can't come back to my house no more. Is that what we're supposed to do in the body of Christ? God commanded how we relate to our brothers and sisters. It says in Matthews 5:23, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, hallelujah, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. What is it saying? That's the word? No. That's the word? If you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, what does the Bible tell us? Do leave your gift at the altar. And go and be reconciled to your brother and sister. That's how much God cares about relationships. Relationships matter. Relationships matter. So we can't, after hearing this message, go on thinking that it's okay to just treat people any old way. Get mad, won't speak to folk no more. I'm not ever speaking to her again. Relationships matter. Who created relationships? God created relationships. So they matter. And guess what? God sees everything. <laughs> he knows who you like and who you don't like. He knows what you say and do. He knows what I say and do. I know that much. He knows when you're doing something. But you shouldn't be doing. Relationships matter. Relationships matter. It says leave your gift there. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. In other words, you're doing what you're doing just to be doing it. Because guess what? God's not receiving that. He wants you to be reconciled to your brother. I'm coming, Pastor D. And my last point for you, God commanded how we treat people in need. How we treat people in need. God commanded how we treat people in need. Are we supposed to just walk past the homeless? Are we supposed to just not care if somebody is sick? Not care if somebody's afflicted. What does the Bible tell us about how we ought to treat widows and orphans? Or how are we supposed to treat widows and orphans and, you know, people like that? What are we supposed to do as good Christians? We're supposed to take care of them. It says in James 1, it tells us religion that is pure 
and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. It's clear. God cares about our relationships. So finally, brothers and sisters, what God is saying to us today is that all around this world, we've got enemies, we've got friends, we've got family, we've got loved ones, we've got people that we don't even know, widows, orphans, those in need, the homeless. But guess what? God cares about how we relate to each other because he didn't put us here to be alone. We have to relate to one another. So the relationships that God gives us matter. In every relationship, there is a scripture that tells us how we are to relate to one another. Amen? We're all made in his image and likeness. And we've got to love him first and our neighbors as ourselves. And these are the very words of Jesus. We're all in one body. All of us, we are one body of Christ, and he created us all. I'm sorry God created your enemies, and he loves them just as much as he loves you. He don't love them any different. You may not be able to stand them. (laughs) Hallelujah. But he loves them, and he cares about how you relate to them and to the world around you. God honors relationships. Amen. Did you get anything from this today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Would you put your hands together for me and just let me know that you got something for it? Give me a little bit of encouragement. Hallelujah. Pastor Derek is over there squinching in his seat saying, you got to stop it. You got to wrap this up and everything, you know. But listen, we are so grateful that you joined us today. And we understand that this is just a bit of a transition. So bear with us. We've got some things that the Lord is, is doing in us. And um, but we welcome you to be here. This is where we will be um, every Sunday going forth while we are uh, preparing our two permanent uh, between our two permanent locations that we are building. We are going to start having our children's church uh, services again. So we just need to put together how we're going to do that. If you have an offering envelope, would you get that in front of you, please? There are three different ways that you can give to Amen Always Church. And 100% of your offering is tax deductible. We are a 501c3 organization. There are three ways you can give. You can give through the offering envelope. You can also text to give, or you can give online at amenalways.org. 